Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. This is the beginning of Black History Month. This is our first show in Black History Month, and the theme this year is Black Resistance, where we resisted racism and oppression in all forms, especially racial terrorism of lynching, racial police killings, since we arrived on these shores. So we resisted in all kinds of different ways, whether that's through sports, through education, through faith-based organizations, through the medical professions, every way we can, politically, educationally, religious, we've resisted, and that we've had leaders that have helped in this resistance. And today we're talking to one of those leaders, Reverend Reginald G. Flynn, uh, known also as Reggie. Good morning, Dr. Flynn. Good morning, Brother Oaks. How are you today? I am great. I am great. And you? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Thank you. Okay, on this program, should I call you Reverend, Pastor, Dr. Flynn, or just Reggie? What should I call you? Reggie is fine with me. Reggie. All right. Reggie it is. I like Reggie. Okay, so you grew up in Flint, Michigan, and that's where you are now? Uh, no, I, I'm not there now, but I grew up, yes, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and uh, I returned uh, after serving uh, the United States uh, Navy and then going on to college, doing undergraduate studies, University of South Carolina, and uh, my uh, postdoctoral studies, and then returned uh, to my hometown, and, and I passed it there 15 years uh, before just recently retiring a couple months ago. Fantastic with that, uh, pastoring, shepherding folks, and then and then retiring. And so yeah, where are you the now? Work continues. The work I'm continues. In South Carolina. I'm back in South Carolina. I'm back in South Carolina. Sunny South Carolina, brother. Okay. <laughs> Sunny South Carolina. Okay. Yes. And that's where your wife is from? That's where my wife is from. Yes, she's from the Santee Ellery, South Carolina area. And where where is that? That's uh, that's south of uh, of Columbia. It, it's what I call the uh, the country. It's near South Carolina State University and Claflin University in that area. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I like South Carolina. I've even driven down there and looked at some of the islands and seeing if. The Geechee and Gullah folk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trying to see if I might want to move down there too for the weather and a great culture. And the great culture, yes. We spend considerable time in Charleston and uh, in, Ch in Charleston area for the, for that very purpose. And the food is good. 
No, I feel like seafood. That's <laughs> good. No, not you. Oh, I love it. The seafood, Saint. I'm joking, but Saint Helena Island is where yeah. I was looking to see if to buy something down there and maybe maybe move, particularly maybe three acres or four acres and do a little gardening or farming or whatever. But anyway, uh, that's that's kind of like in the future. But you had started the North Flint Reinvestment Corporation. Are you still involved in that, or did you retire from that too? No, I did not retire from that. I'm, I'm actually the, the founder and CEO of North Flint Reinvestment, and so, I, and I still serve uh, in that role and that purpose of really uh, sparking and uh, institutionalizing economic development in North Flint, where I grew up as a a boy, and so. I'm back and forth from Flint to South Carolina. In fact, I'm sorry, from yeah, from Flint to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, in fact, next week I'll be back in Flint uh, checking on the progress of one of our projects. That, uh, that's a, a $13 million grocery store food cooperative that uh, is finally coming into fruition uh, after uh, eight years of planning. So we're excited about that. So $13 million food co-op, eight years of planning, and how many members do you have already? You haven't started, you haven't opened the doors. We haven't opened the doors yet, but we're about 95% complete with construction. And and so we have close to 1,000 members uh, at this point. And uh, eight years, did you do any training of those members in that eight years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've got more training to do, but our, our initial advisory board residents, I've, <laughs> I've traveled with, uh, with, with with several folks and and they've accompanied me to training sessions, more specifically the uh, uh, FCI Food Cooperative Initiatives training sessions for startups. And uh, we've had consultants come in and conduct training. So, yeah, we are uh, in a uh, what I call, like to refer to as an ongoing learning mode for those who are member owners of a food cooperative. Ongoing learning mode. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they can't they can't think they're too old to learn. <laughs> so uh, uh, I share that at the uh, our monthly planning meetings uh, every month. Is that uh, you, you all must make yourselves available, and uh, you must be open to learning. And so those, I expect them to learn, and we continue to learn about uh, the uh, food cooperative principles. I encourage them to to read, and I'm always talking about um, reading persons such as Dr. Claude Anderson, Marcus Garvey, Dr. Gordon Nimrod, that Collective Courage book, phenomenal book on cooperatives, the history of black uh, cooperative economic thought and practices. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a learning, and I continue to learn. So I'm expecting our member owners to continue to learn. So this fifth principle of cooperation is education, training, and information, and that's what attracted me to co-ops in the first place. Was mm. I was watching everyday people get the knowledge they needed to run a business. They didn't go go to an MBA program or uh, get into some management kind of a program, except that they are in a management program when they're learning how to do co-ops. Uh, particularly that those board members. Absolutely. Uh, and in Dr. Jessica Gordon-Emhard's book, Collective Carriage, she said that that is the heartbeat of a co-op is this education. That's why I went there first. 
when we talk about resistance of racism and resistance of police brutality and this uh, wealth gap, this gap, uh, whites have 10 times more wealth than an average black family, average white family, 10 times more wealth. So how do we bridge those gaps and resist that? How do we how do we move forward? In one way, it's economics, and that's why I like this co-op because they learn. the The core of it is ongoing learning. You said, and that's what Jessica Gordon Emhart said. That they were they were learning bees. They were they 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 always met after even after it gets started, always meeting mm-hmm. and always learning. And whenever there was an issue, you go into intense learning about that issue, whatever that might be. So yeah, that's the heartbeat yes. of, of co-ops, and that's why I went there. Absolutely, absolutely. So you said you're continuing to learn, but you got a doctor. You don't need you. You're at the height of you don't need to learn nothing. Do you? <laughs> the, the 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 doctor don't it, that only uh, represents the fact that I have, I'm disciplined. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I have tenacity. Uh, but but let, let me tell you, brother. When I uh, my first pastor was in. Uh, uh, was at Beulah Baptist Church in Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh, church probably uh, probably about sixty people, and uh, um, and and I will say after these many years of pastoring that uh, I learned uh, the pastor not through seminary. Okay, learned <laughs> my my doctor degree, uh, but I learned from the folks that <laughs> that yes. occupied the church those pe- those pews those those uh, elderly. Uh, mothers of the church. That that's who taught me. So, yeah, that, that's who taught me how to pastor. <laughs> Those are the folks. But uh, but but I mean, learning. I, I I like what you said about uh, the principles of of co-ops, uh, particularly as it relates to education. And it's just so critical. It's essential. And it's lifelong learning that is important for those of us. Uh, really, all of us, but particularly those of us that are in the uh, the co-op movement. In fact, it, it's one of the, it, it well, I mean, I ain't going talking about uh, this lifelong thing, but it, it really starts early, and it's really part of what I think is, because um, the, the way in which, let me just say, the way in which I'm realizing black resistance is through uh, the ownership and the administration of institutions. Uh, and one of those institutions, when we talk about resistance, one of the things I realized as a school founder is the importance of early learning centers in schools. And so uh, it, it's it's really at that point early on in my ministry where I saw uh, the miseducation mm-hmm. <laughs> of Negroes, uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson. And so early learning is uh, in fact uh, North Flint Reinvestment. We manage a early learning center. We manage a K through six charter school uh, in Flint, and it's it's at those at that level, the child's from infancy to those early elementary grades levels, where we are affirming um, our our identity as. Africans living in America. We are affirming our culture, our heritage, our history. And so that to me is a form of black resistance because um, I was miseducated. <laughs> I was miseducated and 
And um, when I served in schools, I was seeing how our children are being miseducated. So I, I desired and shared with our board of directors the importance of us working toward uh, starting our early learning centers and we develop our curriculum. And so we've been able to do that. So we were miseducated and I've got two master's degrees and, and nowhere in that education that I learned about co-ops, nowhere did I learn mm -hmm. about black history, even in a historically black college, the mm -hmm. curriculum too often resembled the white colleges of whatever that curriculum was taught in order to get accreditation. They had to meet a certain code. And I was in math and sciences, math and chemistry, so I wasn't in, I wasn't even in history or anything like that. So they may have taught those classes, but it wasn't in my curriculum. It just wasn't there. So yeah, totally miseducated. You know, we're going to take our first break here. And I want to come back and talk more about the resistance that you've been doing through educating young people. Uh, getting started young, then all the way through life, and you say it is ongoing, uh, ongoing education throughout life. Uh, Jessica Gordon Nimhart said that's the basis of co-ops, that's the heartbeat of co-ops is this education. And with this education, we can really resist with the knowledge. We can we can resist folks coming at us, but we have to learn about business. We have to learn about law. There's so much we have to continue to learn. But we'll be right back and talk more about resistance by putting forth, just moving forward, taking care of things. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Co-op. Dr. Flynn is our guest. He is working out of Flint, Michigan, but he's moved back to South Carolina. I don't know if his wife kidnapped him, took him back to her home, because his home was Flint. <laughs> She's South Carolina, and he was getting his education down there and met his wife and took her to Flint. Now she's taking him back to South Carolina. And in the uh, Asela, when they talk about the history, the theme, they're talking about how we have just continued to fight this oppression. And it's shown up in all kinds of organized, planned, violent insurrections, and also just taking care of business. And this is what we're talking to Dr. Flynn about. So, Dr. Flynn, in your North Flint Reinvestment Corporation, you talked already about the importance of ongoing education, and I call it just-in-time education is why I like it. You're teaching people that about the food co-op. You're teaching them how to manage the food co-op and what they'll need to do in managing that as they step into and you all open it. You're 95% complete in your uh, construction of your of your uh, food co-op so what are some of the other kinds of things that you're doing or other institutions that you're doing or working with inside your reinvestment corporation to resist racism so um in my mind i think um Ownership and the administration of institutions are really essential to uh, our empowerment as, as black people. 
I mentioned about early learning. That's one the institution of, of education uh, through early learning, starting as early as possible with our youth. They need to be the solutions to what we're seeing that in our communities, uh, particularly as it relates to the de deterioration of those neighborhoods and communities in which they are being raised and reared and nurtured. Um, and that's what we're seeking to do, and that's what we have done uh, at Eagles Nest Academy and Eagles Nest Early Learning Center. We're teaching very early on. Um, we're starting with with self that they are that they are beautiful. Right? Amen. <laughs> I, I was never told that I was beautiful. <laughs> you know, early on in elementary school, I was taught to sit in the corner and sit there. <laughs> Uh, but really, uh, early learning. And then um, for a, a community, I think, to be whole, and that, that we must own a bank or credit union. And credit unions are cooperatives, but oftentimes we don't own them, okay? I mean, truly own them and make uh, the decisions as to the direction that they should go and the decisions about the reinvestment of dollars that should go in communities. And so um, the, the, the banking, uh, institutions are important. Of course, housing and real estate uh, is another institution that we should, God's not making any more land. We need to own the land. I share that with our congregation for many years, uh, how important it is for us to uh, to get the land and having a plan, a long-term plan for the development of the, hand, of the land and also with owning our own homes. In the city of Flint, and I imagine this is probably uh, the same thing across the country in, in, in black communities. Um, we have plenty of rental properties, <laughs> plenty, and we are renters. And so we want to shift from being renters to being owners. And so that's a whole process in and of itself in helping the people become home ownership ready, understanding credit scores. Financial literacy is absolutely critical. That falls within a, uh, this institution of housing and real estate development. And then of fourthly, hospitals and health clinics. Uh, how many hospitals and health clinics do we own in the black community that we own? How many uh, value, uh, how much value do we place in uh, our, our brightest of black minds um, establishing, operating hospitals and health clinics in black communities? And then of course, the, the grocery stores and food co-ops. Uh, it, it's important for us, you know, I don't, to share this with you, but perhaps our listeners to reemphasize the importance of us um, realizing food sovereignty. Let me just share with you that um, the establishment of the North Flint food market in Flint, Michigan was really a direct response to the Flint water crisis. And what, uh, what resulted from uh, the Flint water crisis was two grocery stores that closed uh, within a mile of themselves in the black community directly across the street from the school that I founded. And so um, we weren't proactively seeking to establish a food co-op. Uh, um, I mobilized people um, because I said this is after the second store closed, um, we, I said, look, we, we need to come together and you all need to stop asking me to ask the Chamber of Commerce to ask Kroger's and Myers management, can they stay? They've made a decision. So we need to proactively think about how we can empower ourselves rather than begging them to stay in our community. They've made a decision. 
And so that began, that's really how this food co-op thing started. And I said, well, let's get on a plane and, and go learn about cooperatives, <laughs> how they operate and how they function. Let's learn some business principles because I don't know. I've been trained theologically. I've been trained in business. Okay. So let, me, let me make sure I understand this. So you have the Flint water crisis. And because of the Flint water crisis or other reasons, these two grocery stores closed down in the black community, in the black neighborhood. So you're, yes. you're left with no, no grocery stores in the community. Absolutely none, with the exception of Family Dollar, Dollar General, and all these other Like I said, you don't have any food stores <laughs> <laughs> in the community. You can go buy yeah. sugar products, uh, sugary stuff. Uh, no at, access to healthy foods. Not, right. At a cheap price, but no access to food, real food apartheid or food desert, real definition in Flint. So you've, you've got lead in your water coming through the pipes in your house, and now you cannot get any nutritional foods and the lead is in our bodies yes don't forget that this was a criminal act and i still get i still get ticked i can't focus on it too much because I, <laughs> I still you know i i went to jail over this man yeah i went yeah. to jail over this. but anyway I, I won't go into that but, that's, that's but good go good trouble yeah i got in good trouble real good trouble okay so now you have the neighborhood the people in the neighborhood coming to you as a leader, as a pastor, saying, would you please go to the white folks at the chamber and beg them that this, these white stores will stay in our neighborhood and provide food for us. We want to give yes. them our money so they can provide food for us, and they are leaving our neighborhood. You just summed it up, brother. And then when I went to uh, some of the neighborhood groups, uh, a couple of the groups said, uh, we don't need to start a grocery store. There's already a grocery store in, in the neighborhood. It's uh, it's it's owned, managed, and operated by a uh, uh, Chaldean family who uh, don't live in the community and, and don't reinvest in the community. And they told me that we don't need to open a grocery store because they operate one. Yes. Yeah. And they operate one... They have a business in the community and they extract, which is what the capitalistic model does. Big in West Virginia, they came in and took out the coal, took out the timber, took people's lives uh, and left broken mountains and broken people. They extract, they extract, they extract. And so that's what this family is doing in Flint. They're bringing in groceries, yeah, but now they have no competition. They probably raised the prices a bit on you. And oh, absolutely. They raised the prices. <laughs> took full advantage, and they still are. And they So don't. I told that particular neighborhood group that I just respectfully disagreed with them, that we needed to own and operate our own store, and I proceeded on without them. They didn't join you. They haven't joined you yet. They have not joined me. No, they have not joined our group. And but there, there's that's not a surprise, brother. Oaks. There's there's several folks in the black community, uh, black folks, uh, professionals and non-professionals who have not joined the movement. But we keep on moving. Um, they said we never get to this point where we're about to open. <laughs> we we had a competitor come in uh, from a well-known regional, historic regional uh, a grocery store, 
who came in and, and told me, came to my office, visited me, and just told me, told me, said, uh, look, Dr. Flynn, just want you to know that uh, we are interested in uh, opening a grocery store in North Flint, and we're going to be your competitor. And he left my office. He lasted about three months. His store lasted about three months. Oh, he did open. He did open, and he thought that that would that would impede our efforts, uh, hinder our efforts, stop our efforts, cease our efforts, and uh, he proceeded to move on. Uh, he was able to mobilize some black clergy to get behind him to support his uh, effort. Uh, this is a white male, by the way, and uh, they opened and closed in three months. I don't want to say good on air, but yeah, it's great. Okay. <laughs> From an economic standpoint and black sovereignty of us controlling our wealth uh, and, and minimizing that gap that I talked about, Only the way we do it is through ownership. Uh, and co-ops gives us a vehicle, and that's why we have this radio show. It's a vehicle to get ownership so we can we can make the money and we can say what goes on what foods you're going to sell in that store we're going to take our second break sir i want to come back and talk a little bit more about the other black clergy and and who supports you and in the community and who don't a little bit not by name just what you found out and uh, what you're doing next we'll be right back Reggie on with us this morning. Um, you know, this program, Dr. Flynn, we've been on for nine years. We're in our 10th year now. And we were, we're only going to do this one month, the month of October, which is co-op month. But I liked it. People liked it. And the National Co-op Bank, who has been our main sponsor um, through these 10 years, they also liked it. And NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities like Flint, uh, the Ward 7 here in Washington, Ward 7 and 8 in Washington, D.C., but providing innovative financial and related services. So that is their mission when they got started in the early 80s to to be there for uh co-ops and their members so you you had we were talking um, in the last segment you said that there were six institutions that you found that can help with this resistance of racism this this white privilege that we have grown up in uh, you graduated from high school in 84 and I graduated from high school in 65 and we integrated schools in 55, and so it's been this long struggle of, of watching white people just take advantage of in all kinds of ways, like you talked about the white man that was going to open up a store and say he's going to be competitive to you. So you had talked about education as one of the institutions, particularly early learning, banking and financing, uh, starting a credit union and controlling it or a bank and then doing real estate development housing <clears throat> uh, 
Limited equity housing co-ops turn out. That's what we've used in the district. We have 99 of them that mm. fight gentrification and turn apartment buildings into own units for uh, for people. And I, when I first heard about these, Dr. Flynn, I thought it was white folks trying to make it so that blacks could not get wealth. But I found out mm. when you compare limited equity housing co-op to the other option for a lot of us, which is apartment buildings, they're so, so much better. And it can be a tunnel to getting your own individual house or some other form of ownership. You really learn all the things you talked about, this financial literacy and so forth. So that's the third institution, hospitals and healthcare, getting control over that. Just want to tell you, there's a clinic, a health clinic in Madison, Wisconsin, that's owned by the patients. Another possibility for ownership of, of a Wonderful. clinic. And then there are food co-ops. Uh, and there are more and more um, blacks starting food co-ops. I know you know Malik out of Detroit and uh, you and right. Clint, and there's folks here in D.C., and it's all over the U.S. And uh, that, that are doing co-ops. And But what's the sixth one? We didn't finish the sixth one. We got into the food one and didn't go on. The, the, the sixth institution is uh, the church or the mosque or the place of worship. And um, I, I place that as, the, as a, a vital institution because a significant number of our people uh, still uh, attend church, still attend mosques, still um, have as a priority in their life spiritual formation. And, but but the, I, I wrote a book uh, called um, How, So You Think Your Church Isn't Big Enough. And the, 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 the genesis really was to try and have uh, impact with faith leaders that regardless of the size of their church, that they could still make a substantive contribution, uh, make a transformative impact in the neighborhoods where they were um, residing, where they existed. And, and so I, my daughter went off to college to Michigan State University and I, I told her uh, search for a church that's engaged in its community that prioritizes neighborhood revitalization, housing, uh, economic development, that pr prioritizes a community and economic development. And I think that's important uh, because this, we just can't exist as a, a building in the community but be an institution of transformation in black community. So are you working with other pastors to do this economic community economic development? I, I am. Uh, I have and I continue to do so. In fact, I added a, two, three. I added three, or I didn't add, but uh, in our initial uh, formation of our advisory board uh, for the Kuf Co-op, Three pastors are on that board. And so uh, I'm working with pastors locally in the city of Flint. I'd, I'd like to have more. I do know that we have roughly about 40, 45 churches that are member owners in the co-op. Oh, the churches are member owners? Yeah. The churches, are, you have individual membership, which uh, is, is at $250. People can they, uh, be on a payment plan. Uh, for their initial investment, their one-time initial investment, and then um, 
faith-based organizations, churches, businesses, and organizations uh, come in at $500. Okay. So that's within Flint. Yes. What about outside of Flint? Are you working with any other uh, church leaders? I have not. No, I, ha I, I have not done so. Now, uh, since people are learning of my retirement and, uh, <laughs> and they're learning about the progress of of this of this food co-op, now I'm getting uh, speaking engagements and <laughs> from some some faith leaders. And, um, back right up the street here in Charlotte, I'll be I'll be going to uh, visit a pastor and share with him what we've done. And so he's looking to replicate what we've done uh, in the Charlotte area. So uh, and I've got a couple of other calls from folks that are. Uh, affiliated with uh, churches throughout the country. So I got a feeling that I'm not going to be retired very long. <laughs> well, that, and that's fine because the work continues whether I'm serving as a pastor or not. So I, I, I think I'm right when I say the Bible talks about retirement. It's just doing something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's, it's not sitting down. Uh, <laughs> Certainly not. And uh, folks are not going to let you, and I, I couldn't even see you sitting down. But I've been talking to a pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, and he wants to get into the food sovereignty. There was a food sovereignty webinar, and I'm trying to think of this pastor's name. It's Keith. I don't think it was Keith Davis. I'll look it up at the next break. Who's out of Camden, New Jersey, who's doing a lot of work in food sovereignty? Mm. Uh, he was in this webinar talking about it. And I've talked to a pastor um in Oakland, California. Um, so it's like how to how to get more pastors or groups of pastors in this to understand co-ops and understand food co-ops or education. And the pastor, I, I really want to get this pastor's name out of Camden because they're doing it with education. But in STEM education is what caught my attention because that's what I taught was math and sciences. Uh, but they're using STEM, and he called it agriculture STEM, teaching them mm -hmm. the, 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 uh, the not only the economics but the scientific of what's going on in agriculture from a science perspective. So, yeah, that's just mm -hmm. a, a lot more. And the reason for this radio show is to get people to understand about co-ops and how they can benefit and how we can resist with community development using this cooperative model. So you've got education, you've got an early childhood and a pre-K education in, in your system. You've got the food co-op. What else are you doing? Uh, you started any real estate or development in Flint? What else are you doing? Yeah, well, we, we've on, on a small scale, um, but we're looking at the uh, the next phases um, what we thought, because we wanted to build confidence in what we were doing through North Flint, particularly as relates to uh, the establishment of the food co-op. And so the next phase, once we get the store, we get it going on the right track, um, we're looking at the next phase being the credit union and hopefully building on uh, the membership base of the co-op to continue that progress and that momentum when establishing our own credit union. And it's interesting, when I, the, the month that I retired, a month after I retired, the only bank 
in that corridor of where a school and a food co-op is, the bank closes, Huntington Bank. <laughs> it closes. <laughs> and and it was like deja vu. I get a call. I was I was actually in South Carolina. And did you hear the news, Dr. Flynn, the closing Huntington Bank? It, a, about a couple of hours after that, the regional director calls me to inform me. I said, well, the folks have already told me. And he said, well, I'm getting an onslaught of, onslaught of calls. And uh, it, it was like deja vu because what happened is that uh, folks called me and said, what, what can we do to, to protest and encourage them to stay? And I said, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I said, I've already heard from one of the, <laughs> the regional directors and the decision has already been made by corporate. They are closing. So what y'all going to do? Did they say whether they were losing money or not, or this, they didn't want to be in that? that it, yes, it was not a profitable site. It wasn't profitable. And uh, there have been people who've been doing banking with, with them for years, banking with Huntington Banking uh, in that area for, for years. So, so the fortunate thing, the fortunate thing, Brother Oaks, is that uh, the church where I pastored, the founder established a credit union, his name was Dr. Avery Aldridge, established a credit union through the church in 1968. Now, that was one of the reasons why I applied for that pastorate, because that told me quite a bit about that church to establish a credit union. We know what was happening in 1968. Uh, So the forward thinking, the progressive kind of thinking uh, attracted me. And now, when I got there, uh, it was unfortunately close to closure, and it ultimately did close. And it was too far gone for me to try to retrieve. But some of the people that were involved in the formation of it are still um, are still uh, attached to the ministry, and still have an interest in seeing the credit union being owned by us. And so I'm looking forward to that next phase. And the, the credit union is going to be adjacent. We purchased the property, asked about real estate. That was our next step, too. I mentioned about the importance of acquiring real estate. We acquired um, about five acres that's adjacent to the grocery store where we intend to construct the credit union uh, along with uh, a health clinic. So um, I, I mentioned to you, or I may not have mentioned to you, that really our work at North Flint is to, um, is to spark economic development from a holistic approach to meet the needs uh, in improving the quality of life for residents in North Flint. And so this holistic approach that focuses on all areas and aspects of life is really important to us and is really our mission. So when you say holistic, um, just for me, it is spiritual, and that's almost first in my world, financial, physical, emotional, mental. Absolutely. So Absolutely, it's it's all of that. It's all it's holistic. Um, you, you can't say that you're interested in my spiritual formation and you're not interested in my financial situation, <laughs> or whether I ate or not last night. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So they all they're all intertwined, and you you're ahead of me. I was getting ready to say in Greenbelt, Maryland, they have. Uh, a food co-op and a credit union and they're right in the during walking and walk two minute walking distance and then they have a movie theater that's an older 
kind of theater that they bought and it's cooperatively run. It's right right in there. So Where is this? Greenbelt, Maryland. It's right right up the street from D.C., right up uh, the interstate, um, 25, 30 minutes from D.C. And, and back sure. in, 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 in the, the core of it was a 1,600-unit housing co-op that Roosevelt built in the 30s and the 40s. And Roosevelt, the, the, the rural electric co-ops, the way he came out of the Depression was through cooperation, getting people ownership. So um, we're going to take our final break, sir, and we're going to come back and talk more about the future and the things that you're doing. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we have Dr. Reginald Flynn with us this morning, who has been doing resistance work in Flint, Michigan. And we all know about Flint and the water crisis that they went through. And from that water crisis, they lost two grocery stores. And now Dr. Flynn and his ministry, even though he's retired, they're still working on creating a food co-op there. And they're taking eight years. They're 95% complete. They should be starting soon. And Dr. Flynn, I want to come up when you all open up, if I can. If I can figure out the time, I'd love to come up and, and be with you when you do your open house. Wonderful. And he's working with education, both the folks inside of the food co-op, but also young people, getting them early to understand that they are beautiful and be, with physical beauty and, and minds and about their culture. So, sir, you mentioned these six institutions, and it looks like you're working through them. Uh, what's on your plate next? I mean, you, you've got the early learning uh, going on. You have bought five acres of land to put on a credit union and a clinic. Uh, so that's some real estate, housing, food co-op, and particularly interested in this faith community. you got 40 to 45 different churches that's part of the food co-op. But how to engage more pastors, and particularly if they can get their congregations involved in this community economic development, along with the spiritual piece? Yeah, so for us right now as an organization is the sustainability of what we've created. And so what I've discovered is a major challenge for us. You know, you just can't you know open up a credit union to help clean the food co-op, right? Um, I mentioned to you earlier that our competitor opened and closed within three months. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? He didn't intend to, to fail, right? And so I, I, as I watched and observed, um, I mean, there were, I think, various factors, uh, and one of which I think that he didn't have community buy-in. So I see as essential to our work is um, sustainability, and that sustainability, what's going to be critical to our sustainability is our capacity. Uh, and so uh, as a CEO, I'm looking at how I can build capacity of the organization so that we can be sustainable. And, um, and that means being able to employ people. Uh, currently, uh, I, I employ over 45 people uh, in these institutions that, that we, we've created. And I want to build on that. Um, I want to be the largest employer uh, in in North non- nonprofit employer in the North Flint uh, area. Now that's that's a a goal. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think considerable amount of work <clears throat> will need to be uh, invested in our sustainability strategy. Okay, so do you have a sustainability business plan yet, or that you? It's in, it's in it's in its uh, it's it's evolving. I mentioned that we have uh, our projects are in phases, so we do have a a business plan. But I tell you, business plans evolve. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> but we oh, do yes. have a plan. Yeah, I, we 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 plan to have the store open five. <laughs> when the water crisis hit, but it's been eight years. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, yes, uh, we, we do have a, uh, a strategic plan. But, but you know, also, Brother Oaks, one of the things that we're, we're doing, that I'm going to be doing uh, also, is really looking at how we can mobilize more of the faith community uh, because there's, there's, there's power in the hands of people. And and so I'm shooting at uh, mobilizing leaders, educating leaders uh, to get them to see that ministry is more than learning New Testament, Old Testament, exegesis and eisegesis, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but to being relevant to their communities. Because if we can gather those people, I mean, that's in that what co-ops do, mm-hmm. mobilize people. And so we can. Uh, if, if I can make an, uh, an impact in that area, and that's what I intend to do, um, that that's going to be a significant part of my work. So I'd suggest you hire uh, President Obama. He was a community organizer. I mean, that's what he did to come and help mm-hmm. you. <laughs> 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 you, you know, I don't know if I can afford his consulting fees, but <laughs> but getting. Maybe getting one of those employees as a community developer to help you because Ed Whitfield was on the show, and I think you know Ed. Um, and they had the Renaissance Food Co-op in Greensboro. It eight years of getting it together, and they opened, and three years they were closed. They it, they were three years where you, the white guy that you talked about in Flint was three months, and he said that one of the reasons was. You have to keep the movement going. That's what you're talking about, getting these other pastors. You, how do you get from 1,000 members to 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 members? That movement yeah. you've got to get, and you've got to change their attitude from going into general dollar, spending a dollar to buy a box of sugar cereal, and come yeah. in and spend $3 for some broccoli or spinach or kale uh, that's fresh from the farmer. How do you get them to change that behavior is critical is what he told us on air. And that, that makes sense. You're changing the, the mentality of the community because that poverty isn't just the money. I That's right. Right. It's not just the money. It's that whole mentality of I, 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 I want to go and I want them to come stay here, these two stores, and I'll go keep spending my money at these stores. That's mm-hmm. the poverty mentality. The wealth mentality is let's let's start our own and own it. Okay. Yes. We can yes. decide what's on the shelves. We can decide uh, if for the profit where that money goes. That's all in the co-ops. Um, that's I think that's the second principle: money in. That's the two hundred fifty dollars or five hundred dollars. And if there's profit, or when there's profit, not if, uh, when there's profit, 
that board and membership decide what happens to that profit, how much goes back to the members, how much goes to the community, and how much stays in the business to keep it to, to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And Brother Oz, who was that you referred to that you interviewed recently about uh, Renaissance? Oh, it was uh, Ed Whitfield. Okay. I, I thought you may have known him from up and coming. He's 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 pretty big, and he's been working with the downtown Crenshaw folks in L.A. Uh, but he gets around, and he also had a fund where he was financing co-ops out of uh, either North Carolina or South Carolina. I think home is North Carolina for him. But Ed would be yeah, a I great guy for you to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He I'll does. connect with you offline so I can reach out to him. But the pastor I wanted to talk to you about was Keith Davis. I did have his name correct. Uh, and he's the president and CEO of the Camden Dream Centers Technology Training School in Camden, New Jersey. So his education is his main focus. And out of that education, they're creating co-ops and training about co-ops, and particularly around food sovereignty. So I think mm -hmm. that's another a uh, uh, brother to talk there's so many people here but I was trying to get you hooked up to these other pastors because I think that's one of the ways and Asala has also talked about that is uh, our, our whole uh, education and uh, spiritual base uh, that a lot mm -hmm. of growth and resistance has have come out of the churches and the synagogues exactly um, so how do we when we start talking about Okay, that's resisting oppression, but how do we move forward in this community economic development? And pastors can play a tremendous role in that, and that's why I like you, my brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. So you're working on some things in the future, and we only have a few more minutes on this show today. Uh, tell us what... What do you see, or what would you like to leave people with? What bits of knowledge would you like to leave people with? I, I, you know, for, for, for me, this is a, it's more than about economics. This is really interconnected with my, my spiritual formation. And the, and, and what we're doing is an, is an outcome of what I consider to be uh, a biblical mandate. So I mentioned to you how on my radar screen is to reach more faith leaders uh, and um, and they reach uh, their parishioners or uh, their followers and ultimately make a, a larger impact. So um, there, there's a there's a there are multiple scriptures as I use as the biblical foundation for our, our work. But one that really stands out to me that I want to uh, leave you with that I that I think is really compelling. And when I wake up in the morning, I think about this, um, and it really is a picture of God's vision of community, and it's found in Isaiah the 65th chapter, and it's verses 21 and 22. Um, two very short verses, but so very powerful. But it's, in my mind, God's vision of community. It says... Uh, you, got Isaiah, you got 30 seconds. Tell us what God says. And they, and they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat of the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, 
and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Amen, brother. Amen. That's I'm going to put that on my wall. Thank you, everybody. Thank you out there. We'll be back next Thursday. Please live cooperatively. <laughs>